it's time to raise the roof for our 50th. That's right, our 50th episode of Raise the Roof, which is an insane number. And thank you so much for helping us get to that point. I'm your co-host, Alex Murphy. Right now I'm recording this solo because the way that we did last episode was a little bit interesting. We actually recorded it with episode 49, but then realized, why don't we just make this its own episode because it deserves it. This episode being our 2021 Raise the Roof Minor League Preview episode, we have on a very special guest, one of our own here at Raise the Roof, to talk to you guys. But before all of that said, I want to make sure if you guys want to find out more, keep up to date on what's going on with us here at Raise the Roof. Make sure to follow us on social media, all of our social media accounts, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, all at Raise the Roof TV. Our YouTube channel, Raise the Roof. And our website for the most up-to-date, hopefully most up-to-date, raise news at RaiseTheRoof.com. So with that being said, we hope you enjoy this 50th episode of Raise the Roof, our 2021 Minor League Preview. And we're back on Raise the Roof in this newest episode. And in this newest episode, we are celebrating opening day for minor league baseball. I know it's about a month into the major league baseball season. And unfortunately, minor league baseball got postponed about a month. But we are still getting basically, you know, what is as full of a minor league season as we've had in the last two years. And who better to talk about this than one of our own here at Raise the Roof, Aiden Pearson. He is the co-host and co-creator of In the Tank, which is our raise minor league podcast uh they also do some major league stuff as well and have on a lot of uh raise current uh former players uh do do a lot of great stuff so aiden welcome to the podcast this is your this is a first time appearance for aiden on raise the roof it's been a long time coming but aiden welcome to uh welcome to the podcast how you doing Thanks for having me on, boys. I'm doing great. You know, it's an exciting day, especially me as a big minor league baseball guy. It's an exciting day that we we finally get some minor league action after over 600 days without minor league baseball. This is been, been a long time coming. It's it's crazy that it's taken so long, but luckily minor league baseball is back. Now, the first thing that I want to talk about is obviously this season minor league baseball looks significantly different than seasons before. Uh, major league baseball with the pandemic going on and minor league baseball, you know, rendered effectively there being no season uh, major league baseball essentially took over operations of minor league baseball and ended up restructuring the, what minor league baseball looks like right now. So instead of the race having, I think it was six affiliates that they had before. And now they only have four. Uh, unfortunately among those cuts for the Rays, specifically uh, the Charlotte Stone Crabs, where uh, Aiden actually used to intern, and we can talk about that in just a second. They were one of the teams that were on the chopping block, uh, were replaced by the Charleston River Dogs, who I think were affiliated with the Rays at some point, but it was in like the late 90s and or early 2000s. But there's only four affiliates for the Rays now. It's, uh, I think it's, what what is it? Single A, Advanced A, Double uh, A, and Triple A. And I wanted to get all three of your, t- uh, um, everyone's takes on this, just because I really don't agree with how the restructuring is. I understand why it was done, but I don't, I don't like how it was carried out in my opinion. So the Rays will still have their GCL affiliate as well as their, both of their Dominican summer league affiliates down in the Dominican Republic. So they still have those teams to them. I'm in two minds of this. I like the fact that Major League Baseball finally took over minor league operations because it gives the players more money. It gives these minor leaguers who are making chump change about, I think they did the math, it gives them about a 
17% raise a season, which mind you is not a lot with the amount they're making, but it's still at least something. And it'll be better facilities, better food quality, better training quality and everything like that. But you took away two things when you did this minor league restructure. You took away both baseball from these communities. Let me tell you, Port Charlotte was a big baseball community and still is to this day. It, 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 they love baseball down there. But you also took away more spots for some of these lesser-known guys. Mike Brasso would not be the same guy if he didn't have six minor league affiliates to go through. We wouldn't have seen some of these guys that we see. A guy like Lewis Head, a guy like Peter Fairbanks. We would not have seen these guys if they didn't have six minor league levels that they could continue to develop in these full season A, short season A, you know, leagues like that. Because not only did you drop Port Charlotte, you also lost Princeton as an affiliate. You lost Hudson Valley as, as an affiliate. So when you went from triple A, double A, high A, full season A, short season A, rookie, Gulf Coast League, now you've got triple A, double A, high A, full season A. You know, it, it just doesn't work for me. I, I don't like that they did it. I get why they did it, but I think they could have gone about it a better way and looked at the markets a little bit better of what brings in money and what doesn't. Because the Florida State League is one of the best leagues in baseball, and it's still going on as a full-season A-ball, but you just got rid of the Charlotte Stone Crabs and gave it to Charleston, which I like Charleston. Don't get me wrong. I like what Charleston brings to the table. But why get rid of a team that you know that's also headquartered out of your spring training home so you can send guys easier on rehab here? Now what? You're going to send guys to to probably, what, Montgomery to rehab or GCL, and then they got to go play rehab games in Montgomery where – Instead of a two and a half hour drive, now they're an eight hour plane flight away, uh, an eight hour drive or a two hour plane flight away. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah, yeah Gibby, what are your thoughts? So I do agree with them uh, buying up most of the minor league teams. I think they cut a few too many. Um, obviously, it was going to happen with the pandemic and everything. I'm really hoping that eventually things level out and there are more levels added, like. Um, you kind of got rid of low A and high A, right? With this most recent one. So there's, there has to be like, uh, like, like what you said, there's, there's not enough steps for, for the major, for those guys that develop like that to take. And like having four is like really major. And like, they just got, it's like a major step each time they go up. So I definitely agree with Aiden on that point. Um, they got rid of a lot of Midwest teams too, I felt like, but I guess they don't really uh, sell that much. So it kind of makes sense. Um, I, I just hope that, that this, um, yeah, that, that these players can get a better, um, working conditions in, in, in the current, uh, state, in the current state that they're in. Cause there's been, I've heard stories of like, like horror stories and like minor league systems and such. So I'm, I'm just really hoping that they can like smooth that all over, have some, have just some better quality, uh, living situations with them just so that these guys can perform and do their best not have to really worry about like that kind of stuff when they're on the baseball field, you know, and they don't have to like have a second job or whatever. Like that's, that's really the hope for those de developmental guys. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for this minor league season. I mean, I love minor leagues in Florida, so I, I can go to like all of them. I'm really curious what, uh, so did the blue Jays just not use that facility in that they're, that they're currently occupying with their major league team? Um, and like, so they, what's, what's the deal with that? They did have a team in Dunedin. I'm pretty sure that was the other team from the Florida State League, one of them that was eliminated. Mm. So they have that space available to them. Okay. Sure about uh, that? Here, wait, hold up, I, I could be wrong. I, I can't remember exactly which teams were eliminated, but I'm, that's part I'm of the reason why 
they're sort of unknown where they're going to go. And you'll probably see a lot of those games played on the backfields. A lot of the minor league games are going to be played on those like spring training fields that you see the GCL played on or, yeah. or, or teams like that. So I think a lot of it is part of that. And the fact of the matter is, is that they don't want to put out their triple A team. They rather put out a, a, uh, uh, an a ball team. Yeah, true. Yeah, that makes sense. I, so when I heard about the restructuring, I like one of the things about where I live is that we not only have a lot of affiliated minor league baseball, but we also have and had a lot of unaffiliated minor league baseball. So a big thing, especially in New Jersey, was the uh, the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball, which is now affiliated with Major League Baseball. And in my relative area, there were two teams that were within an hour's drive of me. So one of those being the Cannon River Sharks, which was, you know, 10, 15 minutes away from my house. They don't exist anymore. And then the Atlantic City Surf, which unfortunately I never got to go to a game down in Atlantic City, but that's, you know, about an hour away from me. So there were two minor league teams there, plus uh, not only those two teams, but you also have the Trenton Thunder, which... I don't understand how they went from an affiliated double A minor league team to part of that MLB draft league that they're doing, which I just think is completely stupid. I like, I understand bringing in the Somerset Patriots who do really, really well and did really, really well attendance wise in the, in the, in the Atlantic league, but it just didn't make any sense to me to move Trenton out of there because Trenton is really, really close to the Yankees anyways. But yeah, I mean, you had Trenton and or still have them. Somerset's really close. Uh, the Reading fight and fills are close. The Lehigh Valley iron pigs are close The Wilmington blue rocks. Um, uh, the, I think they used to be called the Lakewood blue claws. Now they're called the Jersey shore blue claws. There's a lot of minor league baseball that's in my area. Um, and then obviously all of the minor league baseball that exists down in Florida, especially that is a huge thing. Um, and obviously across the country, it's, it's, it's huge. The amount of impact that minor league baseball has. And to me, it didn't make any sense to get rid of all of, you know, baseball in all of these communities. A lot of these communities thrive on minor league baseball being there as, as weird as that sounds like minor league baseball is very much the lifeblood of the summer in some of those communities. And it didn't make any sense to me to get rid of them, uh, especially like for with the Rays, for example. Uh, I mean, Major League Baseball made some restructuring things like uh, I guess with the Yankees moving it to Somerset would have been closer. So that means if a guy needs to go to a rehab assignment, he can go 45 minutes away, go to Somerset for that. The Twins, their new AAA affiliate is the St. Paul Saints, who are literally the city over. They're called the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. So they're literally the city over. So that's, you know, 20, 30 minutes at most. The Rays moved their closest affiliate, which was, you know, an hour, hour and a half away, however long you want to do that. They moved them to South Carolina, which I don't understand that because it makes sense to have a team that is close to the major league team in order for players to do rehab stints, because then it's easy for transportation wise to get from one place to another. And that that was the one thing above any of this that I'm like, I have no clue why the hell that happened. And it just doesn't make any sense to me because you it's, it's almost crucial to have a team that's close by for rehab since to have someone who can go there, you know, take a bus there, however, you know, long it or like whatever transportation they might need to get there, do that. And then still have the ability to get back to the major league team. And I just, that, that was, that was the one thing I was really angry about. I think the one reason why they did it is they're getting more money than they would out of Charlotte. That what's baseball is going to be a money game for now and forever. And, you know, things are happening right now with the Rays. I, I hope they get this stadium thing figured out. I hope they get 
everything that they need to get figured out, figured out. But I think part of the reason is, is the fact that they have, they probably got more money from Charleston. And as much as I hate to say it, I think Charleston is going to bring you more fans. I think Charleston is going to be a nice spot. And look, like you said, some teams are close, but Durham, Montgomery, and Charleston are all within, I'm pretty sure are all within 800 miles that you can get on a plane and be there within two and a half, three hours that I don't think it's as big of a deal as we're, as we're saying. Yes, it would be nice for them to be in Port Charlotte, but they're not, it's not like we're talking about they're playing in Toronto and, and they've got to send guys from Durham. It's not like if they do this whole Montreal split system, which they're, they're, no one's even thinking about what that's going to do to rehab and minor league assignments. Yeah, that's that. It, that's, it, that's a whole nother ball game that we can get into if we want to. But no one's thinking about that. But the fact of the matter is, is that they're still relatively close and it could be much, much worse. We could have a team over in San Jose, California. I mean, I mean, put it this way. Even the Blue Jays have a close minor league affiliate in Buffalo. Like, like the Blue Jays are literally in another country and they still have, in terms of proximity, a closer minor league affiliate to Toronto than I'm pretty sure the Rays do. But think about this. How much, how note, I also think about the notability of the names. Everyone knows the Durham Bulls. Every single baseball fan knows the Durham Bulls. This, this is true. The Montgomery Biscuits are one of the best names in baseball, and a lot of people know them just because of their name. Yeah. A lot of people know Bowling Green because of how good they've been lately because of the Rays. A lot of people know Charleston because of Bill Murray owning a stake in that team. So we're thinking about name notability too. That's something else you got to take into it. I don't like it as a guy who used to work for Port Charlotte and a guy who loves Port Charlotte, but I understand it. Mm. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. I, can, I mean, it's just, all of it's just weird. It's going to be something that, that we're all going to have to get used to. I will say the Blue Jay, uh, uh, Dunedin still has a team. I think they got rid of the Fire Frogs and they got rid of the uh, Stone Crabs. Oh. I think those so, are the two teams. I feel like those, I feel like it's good to have that AAA affiliate up in South Carolina because. That's that's one of our best farm teams, obviously. Um, and then you already got the Durham Bulls. No, uh, uh, no, the, you're right. What? No, no, Durham Bulls are AAA. The uh, Charleston is full season A ball. Low okay, end. okay, yeah, yeah. But the, I was saying, okay, <laughs> uh, Port Charlotte is not non-existent anymore. I was saying the the single A had already moved to Char- Charleston. Yeah. There's too many Charles Charles. In this, too many in this CHs whole... going on. Yeah, too, too many, many CHs. CHs going on here. I feel like the um, Rays have a thing for teams with CH. Yeah, just, just Charlotte, put like a team in Charleston. like I don't know, just put so, a team like some random place. Yeah, I feel like I feel like those teams make us really popular in that region, that Carolina region, because I know a lot. Of, I mean, our, one of our co-hosts is literally a Rays fan because of the Durham Bolts, because he lived in proximity of that. And I know I have another friend who is the same way. So I feel like these teams also help bring in fans. Just to the raise, just back up the farm to the raise. And I think building off that, the fact of the matter that there's no team in Alabama or Mississippi, like no major league team or no major league team in either of the Carolinas, that's Braves country. Let's be honest, that's Braves country. Mm -hmm. But if you go there, you'll find a lot more people are Rays fans than you think. Exactly. Because because the Rays did something smart. The Rays not only put their minor league teams there, they're not blacked out via MLB restrictions, but also Rays radio has a deal with an affiliate in each of those cities to put the Rays games on the radio in each of those cities as well. I'm telling you, it's, it's, you don't, I know a lot of listeners of this podcast are Rays fans and we, you, all three of us see on Twitter what happens when people talk about, oh, the Rays have no fans in the seats. I guarantee you we have one of the biggest global fan bases. 
across both the U.S. and then with G-Man Troy, we've got a big fan base over over in Korea. We yeah, got a no, big we're fan taking over the, South Korea. We've got a giant fan base in the Dominican Republic and in all the Hispanic-speaking countries with Wander Franco and Yandi Diaz and guys like that. We we've got fans all over the place, and now we're getting fans in Montreal because they think they're going to get our team, which they're not. But you know, but we've got fans all over the world. That yes, so what? We don't put as many. Thank you, thank you for saying that, though, Aiden. Thank you for clarifying that. You're not getting our team, Montreal. (laughs) But but you know, just someone had to clarify. But you know, we put butts in the seat. We don't put as many butts in the seats. But we have, according to I forget where I read this. According to I believe Forbes, we have the fourth biggest TV numbers every year out of all of Major League Baseball. So we may not put butts in the seats, but we got a hell of an audience. This is true. More importantly, we need to get BTS to become Rays fans because then we get all of BTS army. And like, that's big numbers right there. That's like, we like multiply the fan base by like three times. (laughs) He's right. As funny as it sounds, you're right. This is, this is where the big stuff comes in. This is why the Rays are going to try to like push the G-Man choice stuff. Also, also off the beat real quick, the Rays have had some of the biggest names come and do concerts there. Can we talk about how we also own the Australian market for baseball as well? We A, send guys to the Perth Heat. We had Grant Balfour and the Wiggles performed at the Trop, I believe, four times. Like, we own the Australian market, people. I mean, I mean, the Wiggles are, are, are a worldwide brand. Don't try to say that it's just Fruit Australian. Salad, yummy, yummy. That's all I'll say. Honestly, honestly, you're not wrong, Gibby. That, these, these are facts. We only spit facts. What? Uh, Aiden's got a point about the Wiggles, maybe? We love, we love Australian uh, baseball, though. One of my favorite things to watch when uh, the pandemic or, or just like when major league baseball was happening, it was just before the season. Honestly, Australian baseball guys. was lit. It Australian was- baseball, the, the Australian, you know, like, like, like the winter league that they had going on there was absolutely fantastic. Uh, they did check our episode with Shane Sasaki. I know Shane was great. Yo, Shane I mean, Shane, great. Shane was extremely chill. That, I, I that would be the best. Oh no, you're fine. That would be the best way that I would describe Shane is, is that he's a chill human being and it's lit. Like, like he's a really, really nice guy. Who? Uh, uh Shane uh, Sasaki. Oh, he's a great guy. We did an interview with him. Yeah, he's a he's a exactly. go he's check a that one out too. He is a fantastic, fantastic person. Is he? In, so I what quickly is he in? Is he in a? Is he on a team? Because I didn't see him on a team. No, I'm pretty sure he was left off. I thought he was going to go to Charleston. I thought he was going to go to Charleston too because he really finished um, the Australian uh, like like the uh, the playoffs in the season. He finished it strong because I know that he struggled at the start of it, but he finished it strong. I mean, did he have like eight RBIs in a game? Am I not mistaken? He he went off. He had some crazy like either two home runs in inning or like he had two grand slams in a game or something. Yeah, he was he was uh, he went he went off. That is the easiest way of saying it. Is is that he. He went off, and I don't know why he wasn't put on a team. But. He's not currently assigned anywhere. <sighs> See, that's annoying. Justice, justice for Shane. Come on, come on, put him on a justice roster. Justice for Shane. Put him on a roster. Get back into it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So let's um. So let's talk about these minor league rosters that the Rays have. So I know Aiden, you had some opinions about about someone that we'll get into, but uh, the rosters were released. I think the most notable news, or understandably, the most notable news of of all of the rosters is that uh, number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco, was assigned to the Durham Bulls along with a cast of 
of fantastic players. I think Vidal Bruhan was on there. Taylor Walls was on there. Padlo was was reassigned to there. Honeywell's back there, but he's going to be jumping back and forth with the major league team. Uh, I think McKay, once he gets back from, you know, once he starts up his rehab stuff is going to be in Durham. So there's a lot of good names that we're going to see on the Rays on the major league club soon. But Aiden, uh, I know that you had thoughts about Franco's assignment to AAA. So I want to hear them. I get why they did it. I do. But he, he didn't play all that great in Port Charlotte. I get he was okay this spring, but why send him straight to AAA? Let him get those at-bats against AA pitching. He needs at-bats. And the fact of the matter is, is that I get he's going to get called up sometime this season, but let's look at how that infield is going to shape up. Padlow's probably going to play first. You're probably going to get Bruhan at second. And then either Walls or Franco, it's short and third. Like, it's going to depend however they want to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then you're taking away from a guy like Tristan Gray, who had an absolute great season, who had a great spring. You're taking away at-bats from a guy like Dalton Kelly, who still got a chance. You're taking away, uh, you're taking away uh, at-bats from some of these guys just who deserve at-bats, like Brett Sullivan or Joseph Odom or Kevin Smith. Like, I, for me, I get why they did it. I get, I get the money behind it. But at what point do you say, let's not w- rush Wander Franco? We've got a guy, in my opinion, in Taylor Walls who's going to be a better defensively than Wander Franco, who I think is going to be our shortstop of the future. I think Franco moves to third uh, in the long run. I think Franco moves to third. I think you're going to see an infield similar to what I said of probably Franco at third, Walls at short, Bruhan at, at second in the major leagues. And then you're going to have Josh Lowe in center, who I think Josh Lowe, Give him 30 at-bats. If he's raking, call him up because Kiermaier sucks right now. But that's neither here nor there. But the fact of the matter is, is that I get why they did it. And I get why MLB Pipeline rated them the number one team in all of minor league baseball. But at what point do you look out for a guy's development? Because what if he sucks in Durham? That's going to take all of his confidence away. I'd rather see him rake for 10 games in Montgomery and go, okay, we'll call you up. Than him suffer for 30 games at Durham and maybe it takes away from his confidence. That's that that is a good point, Gibby. What's your thoughts about Wander uh, getting assigned to AAA? Well, I think I get why they do why they did are 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 doing it as well. Um, I kind of more agree with it though. I'm not like you know it's it's kind of you, you should develop him and maybe you should send him to Double A first, but maybe you want to see how, how well he jumps, just how well he just how well he can transition to to higher levels of pitching. Just just having that jump. Maybe he can replicate that when he has to make that jump to the majors. So maybe they're they're seeing his adaptability. I do worry about what Aiden said, like his confidence being ruined. Maybe he doesn't hit over 300 in this league, you know. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think if there's anyone who can do it, it's it, it's probably Wander. But you know, you don't want to like you don't you, you don't want to risk that. And I I totally agree with with Aiden on that on that point. Like. It could mess with his confidence. It could it could hurt them in the long run. But totally get why they did it, and I sort of agree with it. Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, I'm happy to see that they. So I think, and, and and I'm sure you guys probably agree with with at least my thought process here is that the Rays kind of treated last season as if Wander was already in Double A. And they said, okay, Wander, we're pretending like Wander was in double A last year. Now it's two seasons removed from when he was uh, in, you know, in Port Charlotte. So we're just going to throw him in Durham because you, I, I guess they're expecting that he has a level of confidence and maturity as a player that he'll be able to 
you know, mesh well in Durham. Uh, I am of the mindset that you could put him like I'm, uh, I was fine with it either way. If you wanted to put him in Montgomery, see how he did for maybe half a season and then bring him up to Durham, that, that would be fine. Uh, but I'm also fine with them just going straight AAA and see how he does. One thing that I think we're also not thinking about too, but the one, another positive for him being in Durham, Brady Williams is a great manager in Durham. He's always done well with young guys. And I think that's a positive. Plus his coach from when he was in Port Charlotte, Reynaldo Ruiz is joining him as a coach on the Dur- on the Durham Bulls staff. So I think the fact that he'll have a guy there that he knows coaching wise is going to be big for him. And I also think he's got a hell of a group around him. I mean, he's gone up with a lot of these guys. He's played with Bruhan and Wallace before he's played with Brent Sullivan. He's played with Joey Roach. I mean, He's played with Kenny Rosenberg. He's played with all these guys who were on this roster, and he was in spring training with a lot of them. But yes, while I'm not a huge fan of it, I think he's got, I hope he succeeds. Mm. I think he's going to succeed. But if he doesn't, are the Rays going to be man enough to send him down to double A to fix whatever he needs to fix? I don't think they are. That is an interesting, that, that is a very interesting point. Well, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about Wander because I'm sure that we could talk for hours and hours and hours about him. But uh, obviously there's a lot of other players that the Rays currently have right now up and down the minor league roster. Let's start with AAA. Other than Wander, obviously, who are some names that people should be watching out for this season? The biggest name on that roster, There, I'll give you an outfielder, an infielder, and I'll give you a pitcher. Outfielder, Josh Lowe. He's going to be good. He is a better Kevin Kiermeyer. He's got the same defensive ability, in my opinion, but can actually hit, okay? No knocks to Kiermaier, but Kiermaier can't hit. Infield-wise, Taylor Walls is one of my favorite players, and I know a lot of people are going to say him, so I'm instead going to flip it to Tristan Gray. Tristan Gray had a great spring. He's a utility guy. He reminds a lot of people of a Mike Brasso type in the positions he can play, but I think he's got a better hit tool against both sides of the plate than what he brings. And I think pitching-wise, you got to pay attention to Drew Strotman. I think Strotman, he's a 6'3 righty, weighs in at 195, and he throws some gas, but he can locate. He can locate his pitches. And I think he's sort of an underrated pitcher when you read down some of the other names on that roster, i.e. Brendan McKay, Phoenix Sanders, Kenny Rosenberg, Trevor Richards, Lewis Head, uh, Stetson Alley, Brent Honeywell, Patino will be down there some. McClanahan will be there down there some. Baz will probably come up and join that team at some point. So they have a lot of guys down there, but I think Stratman is going to stand out and, and have a really good season. Gibby, are there any names specifically on the starting with AAA that you are intrigued to watch this season? Fidel Bruhan, definitely excited to see him. He'll probably be moving up maybe a little bit. If, if like there's some injuries happening, you know, here and there, I'm definitely excited to see like what, what, like what, what's the deal with him? He's like almost, almost if, if Wander wasn't there, he'd probably be way more of an exciting prospect. Like there'd be way more hype around him. So I'm definitely excited to see Bruhan uh, playing. And then, you know, pitching wise, I mean, Honeywell's going to be down there. Like you said, uh, th- th- there's just so much talent there. I, I can't even fathom to go, go down. Shane McClanahan, it's all, all of them. They're going to be there. This I mean, I think one thing we have to think about, too, is that I love Wander Franco. But you know what, what Wander Franco being the number one prospect in baseball does? Mm-hmm. It helps guys like Bruhan and Lowe and Walls. The spotlight's not on them. They can True. do whatever. They can, they can be consistently good because the spotlight's not on them, and they don't have to stress, which I think is something that's underrated. And I think Franco is the guy who can handle the heat. 
I think mm-hmm. he can handle AAA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, so for me, looking at this roster, uh, the pitcher that I have in mind is Joe Ryan. Uh, I really like his stuff. Uh, I'm a big proponent of him. I know that he's 25. So in terms of, uh, you know, age and being a younger player, I know he's in his mid twenties now. So it's kind of getting a little bit towards the time of like, yeah, you better get him up soon. Um, and he might be better fit in a, in, in a different, uh, organization. So we'll see what happens there, but I like his, um, uh, I like his peripherals as a pitcher. Uh, and, uh, I'm very much on the Josh Lowe train. I really hope that we can see him, uh, in the majors this season. I want to see Padlow get more at bats in AAA. Cause I was excited to see him on the, on the major league roster earlier this season. And then he kind of pooped out, especially at the plate. And I'm hoping better things for him, uh, when it comes to that. So I'm hoping he can get some AAA at bats, get himself back into the rhythm of things. And we'll see kind of where he fits into the roster um, uh, at least the major league roster going you know, uh, for the rest of the 2021 season. Uh, going to, oh, wait, did anyone have anything else? Yeah, did we yeah, mentioned Brendan McKay. I mentioned him for a hot second, but I think he's also going to get more at-bats as a hitter too. I think we're going to see McKay true. get some at-bats finally. And, and I'm excited to see that again. But I think one thing we have to mention too is, in my opinion, it's a lot easier, and we're seeing it with a lot of these guys who are being called up. It's a lot easier for pitchers to get full bullpens in and get in work than it was for hitters over this over this time period that there wasn't minor league baseball. Because it's easier for pitchers to replicate game situations on the mound than it is for hitters to replicate game situations. And I think that showed with guys like Padlow. And I think that Padlow, once he gets some more consistent ABs, I think he's going. He he's got so much potential, and he's got a really good defensive glove that not a lot of people talk about. That this Durham team, this Durham team, I think could beat the Pirates. I think this Durham team, you put them against the Pirates right now, could beat them. <laughs> that, that's a bold claim. words to the Pirates. That's a bold fans. claim. That's all I'm going to say about that. Because I, I, I because I can neither confirm nor deny if that would actually happen. I, you, uh, you you tell we're me. We're sorry, Pittsburgh. On. We're always bullying your team. I, I hate yeah, to bully no. Pittsburgh. Come on, look at the team. Look at the team that's I mean, there. It's true. I mean, Wander Franco, maybe not Wander Franco, but Te- Taylor Walls, Vidal Bruhan, Stetson Alley, Kenny Rosenberg, Brendan McKay would be up in half of the mo- major league teams around right now. Like. Let's be honest, a lot of these guys are major league ready. They just don't have a spot because of how loaded the ways are. But Pittsburgh is not very good of a team, and I think that they could beat Pittsburgh. They could probably beat five different teams in major league baseball right now, that Durham team. I wouldn't be be surprised, but uh, we, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever get the opportunity to see that. Let me bully another – hold on. Let me bully another national league team. Oh, no. Colorado. Colorado couldn't do crap against this team. This pitching staff is way too electric for Colorado. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to bully any other teams. I I feel I feel bad for bullying teams. No mile high shots for Colorado. There. All right. All right. Well, let's go. Let, let's let's before we before we burn the house down. Let's go to uh, Double <laughs> A and, and and Montgomery. Uh, looking at this roster, who do y'all like on this roster coming into the season? For me, it's between two guys. I'm excited to see what Garrett Whitley can do now that he's healthy. <laughs> And and that's a key for him because everyone was high on him. He was an early draft pick. He just hasn't been healthy. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm really excited to see Ford Proctor get some more at-bats at a higher level because he can catch. He can also play in the field. He's a really good utility guy that I think can do really well. Mm. But pitching-wise, you mentioned him earlier, so I'm going to go with a different guy instead. Caleb Sampin and Easton McGee. 
those two guys are such dark horses and such underrated. Bro, McGee's 6'7". In- Holy crap. Yeah, he's 6'6", 205. That's Jeez. a big boy. Also, one more pitcher that I want to mention, Simon Rosenblum Larson. That man is going to be a number three starter in the Rays rotation sometime within the next three years. He is the best pitcher we don't hear anything about. He has got the stuff. He doesn't throw high 90s. He throws mid-90s, but he's got this almost three-quarters release that he snaps his wrist across his body. I was watching some film on him, and we talked to him earlier in the offseason on on In the Tank. He's got this really amazing grip on the ball, and he also the way he pitches. It's so deceptive that I think he is the best pitcher that no one talks about in the Rays, in the Rays, uh, in the Rays uh, organization. Bold claims, but, uh, I mean, look at the tape. Look at the tape. The tape's I- there. The tape is there. Gibby. Gibby. He's also a Harvard guy. He's also got the brains. He's a Harvard boy. Oh, him and him and him and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. uh, You know, know Tampa loves their Harvard boys. This is true. And Cameron Cambray. (laughs) Big brain energy here. All right, Gibby, who you got in double A? You got a. Okay. We're talking about double A. Good. Um, (laughs) Well, like I said, I, I thought we were talking about just the minor leagues in general for the last question, but you know, you got, you got a lot of, you just got a lot of guys. I want to see Shane Boz really like that's that's the other side of the Austin Meadows trade that we got for Archer that we still haven't gotten yet. That the, the last piece, that last real um, sorry Pittsburgh fans, screw you to the Pittsburgh fans, um, <laughs> or just to the franchise really. I don't really, I don't mind the fans. Yeah, no fans. That, are that, fine. that was that was a yeah. The fans, the fans are, are some poor, great guys, and they got poor, an amazing ballpark. Times. They just have a shitty GM. Yeah, yeah, this it's the GM's fault, but it's a real, it's a real uh, screw. That that last piece of the puzzle would be really interesting for me to see um, in the next few years. You know, see see how he's doing in the minors. Um, but yeah, you, you just got talent here, and you know, I that's that's all I that's all I got to say. Talent you know? up and down the board, I like it. Talent uh, up and down the board, Shane Boz. There you go, Shane Boz. I mean, that's a good name to look at. So the guy that I'm going to go with is a very biased pick of mine. Can I, can I guess? Can I guess? Can I yeah, guess? no, no. I know you're, you're going to get it right. But um, he, he uh, went to the University of Maryland, got drafted, I believe, in the was it fourth or fifth round of the 2017 draft. Got traded over in the Matt Andrees trade uh, from the Diamondbacks. Uh, Brian Schaefer, he's a 6'5", 200-pound righty. Doesn't throw – he's he's very much the same kind of build as as Rosenblum Larson. I mean, in terms of the how fast he throws um, and similar builds uh, body-wise. But he's not going to blow you away with a fastball. He throws, uh, you know, anywhere from, I think, 92 to 95, somewhere around there. Has kind of been, uh, in terms of the minors, is kind of bumped around between being a reliever and a starter. I think in more recent, um, uh, what's it called? In more recent years in terms of the minors, he's been more of a reliever. But he's improved every year that he's been in the minor leagues. And he pitched in double A before. Like, he pitched at Montgomery before and was good at Montgomery. And I don't know why he's still in Montgomery is my thing. And I'm really angry about that because they can, I mean, clearly the Rays need bullpen help right now. And if Schaefer and, and, and if Schaefer is being stretched out as kind of a long reliever, they could use him in that role on the major league club. And I like, at least for me, I want them to utilize him if he's been good in the minors, if not send him to another organization where he'll get possible time on the major league roster. 
Um, this man in the University of Maryland. This is all we hear about from you, Alec. No, I'm kidding. I, I had to bust your balls a little bit about. No, that's fine. No, I think I think Schaefer's got a good chance. I think my biggest thing with Schaefer is that I I don't know if he has the stuff to do it in Tampa. I don't think there's. I think there's too many people in front of him for yeah, him to do it in Tampa. That's exactly what gonna, I'm saying. That's and, exactly and I think what he's, I'm saying. I think you could see him paired off with maybe a Willie Adobis or Kevin Kiermeyer just to get that little extra in a trade at the trade deadline. Because I think Adamus and Kiermeyer both get traded at the trade deadline, which I've talked about a few times on In the Tank. I just want to get him playing time. Like, I just want him to be on a major league roster. Like, he deserves it. He's been improving as a pitcher. He looked really good in college. Uh, kind of tailed off towards the end of it, but was a strong starter and now has evolved into a good reliever and has the stats to back it up. And I don't know why he hasn't been getting more love than what he's been getting. I know another guy, Miles Mastroboni, who kind of jumped on the scene during spring training, uh, is currently with Montgomery, and I'm excited to see what he does. What um, if he, not, not just on the baseball field, but also as a person, one of the greatest guys. And he's such a level-headed guy. I got to watch him in Port Charlotte and got to talk with him a lot. Level-headed, a nice guy. Just He has everything that the Rays look for in a major leaguer. And I think he's going to skyrocket up the Rays' ranks this season. I, mean, I think he's already, could see he's him already in double A. I think, we, I think we could see him on the major league roster by August. That would be, I mean... I'm not going to say that's a, that's like a, um, you know, like a hot take considering the fact that he's in double A this season, but I mean, it could be a possibility. It'd surely be a possibility. All I right. think he showed enough in spring, but he also is going to show enough in double A and triple A mm. that I think it's going to be hard to a take his bat out of the lineup and B not give him an opportunity, especially if the Rays in September need that push instead of adding a guy like Wander Franco to the 40 man, if he's not ready, like if we haven't seen him up at that time, I had a guy like Miles Mastroboni who you know probably won't get picked up if he gets DFA. Mm. And the other thing is that Xavier Edwards is currently on the injured list and he'll be an exciting name to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does uh, as a, um, as a middle infielder. Uh, all right, let's go to high A. So a um, lot of interesting names on high A, a lot of more, I guess, like, you know, lower level prospects, if you want to consider them. Um, uh, but definitely some bigger names that I'm sure a lot of race fans know. So, uh, who do we have uh, players to watch out in Bowling Green this season? You want to take this one first, Gibby? Oh, do you have do you have the rosters up, Gibby? I am looking at the rosters. Yes, he's looking I'm at the rosters. To. Jesus, Mark Tompkins, give me him. <laughs> he needs the roster. Wait, you said you said Bowling hot rods, right? Yes. Yeah, hot rods. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm looking now. There's a couple. There's a couple names on here that I think you might recognize. I do see Blake Hunt in here. From there the we go. That Diego was the guy. Padres trade. There's the name. So absolutely excited for him. Uh, as this one name I saw. Um, Grant Witherspoon. Excited for him. Spoon. I love the name. Um, I, I like him as a player too. I mean, I'm not just going off in names here, but uh, it's those are two. I guess those are two guys I'm excited for. I'll, I'll just end my take there, so I don't have to keep reading. Because God, that's atrocious. <laughs> I think Grant Witherspoon is probably one of my favorite names. Uh, I really also like Nico Holsizer. I think he's going to have a really good season. I hope he has a good season too. Uh, Greg Jones is there. who uh, He's injured to start the season, but he's been a, a big name around the Rays as well as Osmi Gregorio. He's been a namer around the Rays. Blake Hunt, like you mentioned. Um, but my favorite guy on this list is going to be Mikey York, the pitcher. 6'2", 190, has electrifying stuff. 
he got hurt a little bit by the fact that there is only four levels because he was in Port Charlotte uh, two years ago, the last time we had a full season. Mm-hmm. And I think he should have been in, in at least Bowling Green. But again, you run out of too many spots for too many guys. You know what I mean? But I think he's going to be a really good pitcher. And I think he's going to lead that. He's going to lead that, that staff there. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at, I'm looking at Michael Mercado. Uh, I think that's an interesting name. He's only 165 is what's listed there. He needs to put some weight on unless he throws absolute cheese. Um, because I mean, six, four, 165, that's a stick. Uh, so he might, he might need to put a little bit of weight on there. Obviously hunt uh, is a guy. He also needs to put on weight too. He's only 180, six, three, 180. He needs to put on a little bit more weight there. Um, let's see. Uh, hole sizer. I'm intrigued about because it involves another Maryland person. Cause he was the guy that we got back in the Clark trade and I liked Clark as our reliever, and then Clark burned us in the world series. So I was hundred percent right with Clark being a good reliever. Um, now, obviously he's struggling in Oakland, but uh, I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, Greg Jones is another name uh, like, like uh, Aiden mentioned that jumps out to me. Ruben Cardenas um, excited to see him. Uh, so there's definitely, I mean, there's a lot of names here um, that are, you know, like Rays fans will recognize a lot of these names, whether it be Grant Witherspoon coming from, you know, uh, like going crazy in Australia during during the Winter League there, uh, Blake Hunt coming over in the in the Snell trade, or, you know, guys that are just coming up the ranks. So I think that there's a lot of interesting uh, names and players that we can watch out for this season from Bowling Green. But we do have one more left. Uh, that one being Charleston, so that uh, we are down to the last one. Uh, who is there? Who should we watch in Charleston this season? And I do want to say, don't like Nick Bitsko not being on a minor league roster. He was our first round pick last year, uh, throws like 98 at like age 18. Don't like that he's not on a minor league roster. Really would have liked him, re- really would have liked to see him in low A. And I'm pretty sure that's probably a product of there only being four levels instead of there being six, because he would have probably been in like a rookie ball thing or a short season single A. Yeah, I, I mean, that's true. Uh, the name to watch on this team is probably the biggest name on this team, or the biggest two, I should say Akilah Williams and Nick Schnell. Nick Schnell is one of my favorite guys, and we talked with him on In the Tank earlier in the offseason. But he is going to be the best player on this team. And I think that out of all the teams, in my opinion, this team has the best chance to win a championship. I know we talk about Durham, but Durham is going to have so many guys going up and down. And same with Montgomery and Bowling Green that I think this team is going to be the best record raised minor league team. I think this team has got everything it takes. Plus, you talk about guys like Bitsko. And one guy we talked about, Shane, Shane Sasky, who can still be called up to this level and also they're probably going to add in a few draft picks here and there. This team is going to be really good. Pitching on my opinion is a little weak. I mean, you see some names you might recognize in there. Not, not a whole lot. Taj, Taj Bradley, uh, a young guy in there, obviously um, a guy like Colby White or Cole Wilcox. Yeah. But they don't have the same big names on the pitching staff that all these other teams do, but boy, they've got some hitters who can hit. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I said, uh, Cole Wilcox is on there. It's the other part of a Blake Snell trade. Um, Herberto Hernandez, another part of the Blake Snell trade. No, man, he you know, no, 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 Nate, the Texas trade. Yeah. Nate Lowe trade. Sorry. He was a part of the Nate Lowe trade. Rip, yeah, rip and pepperoni Nate Lowe. Yeah. We started we love... off really hot and hasn't done crap since. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Um, sorry for the Nate Lowe um, slander there, Nate. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, those are those are two names that I see. Pitching, yeah, nothing really comes to mind here. You know, I haven't really seen any of these names. But, yeah, like you said, Nick Schnell, I've heard, definitely have heard you guys talk about him a little bit. Um, I watched that first interview, I think, that you guys had. And he seems like a great, great pickup. So I'm just excited to, to see these highlights and hopefully watch some games. I'm just excited that teams. we have minor league baseball. Yeah, minor league baseball is back. Aiden has something to talk about again. Like this is I, his, I this is his blood. This is his lifeblood. I don't. I, I've got. I've got an IV going. Just we can finally stop the IV drip. You know, I, I <laughs> yeah, come yeah. out because look, I love talking about ma- the major leagues and I love breaking down every series individually. And don't get me wrong, Matt and I have a great time on in the tank. By the way, if you haven't checked it out, do so. But <laughs> sorry for the sorry for the slight promotion. No, no, no. I had to, it's, it's had to okay. I had the opportunity, but. Now that we have minor league baseball back, I can finally get into what I love and what what got me to into baseball in general. But minor league baseball is more exciting than anything you'll watch in any league ever. I mean, minor league baseball is better than the G League, is better than the Canadian Football League, if you want to call that the minor league of football. It's better than the AHL in hockey. It's better than any of the lower leagues in soccer or anything like that. Minor league baseball is the best atmosphere anywhere even better than major league atmospheres just because of the cool jerseys and promotions and the different types of fans and all the different players you see there and guys aren't too big league to sign autographs guys are there to have fun and play the game minor leaguers are there for the love of the game not for the paycheck and that's one thing that sets minor league apart from everything else glory this is true i do want to say i want to talk about cole wilcox because i love this man so much i have such high um regard for him because of the fact of when you think about where he got drafted and how he got drafted in the 2020 draft there were two pitchers at Georgia who were draft you know who were going to probably get drafted Wilcox and Emerson Hancock Hancock got drafted sixth overall by the Mariners and got a boatload of money because I mean he he well deserved it. He was a fantastic pitcher at Georgia, pitched really well in the SEC, has great peripherals, has great potential um, for, you know, to be a good pitcher in the future. Wilcox was as good, if not better, than Hancock at Georgia. And again, carved up SEC uh, rosters um, on the mound, was insanely good and got drafted in the third round, but got first round money because that's just how weird the 2020 draft was. And I'm really excited to see what he does. Because, I mean, think about the, like, just like the lineage of good pitchers in the SEC that have come out uh, in recent years. I mean, one specifically that comes to my head is Aaron Nola. And Nola was an absolute stud at LSU. And is every now, guy who's come out of Vanderbilt ever. Yeah. Uh, including one of our own, David yeah. Price. Yeah, David uh, Price, Walker Bueller. I mean, like, there are some insanely good names that have come out of SEC programs, and that's not by accident. The SEC the is – SEC and the Pac-12 are the two best college divisions for baseball. It just means more. Did you know that? The SEC just means more. That's that's that stupid commercial. Down because think of the teams that you think of when you think of Big 12. Oregon has had some great players come out of it. UCLA, USC. I mean, those are just Oregon the first State. three. Washington, I mean – yeah, just, but, just names roll off the tongue. But yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what he does. And I don't know how long it's going to take him to get through, uh, you know, through the minor league ranks. 
but I'm excited to see what he does um, at, at Charleston to start off. And I think he's going to go, I think he's going to be a name that's going to go under the radar because obviously I know that he was part of the, of the Snell deal. And obviously the Rays got, you know, got a lot of collateral back for Snell, but of those two pitchers that were included in the deal, people are going to focus on Patino. They're not going to focus on Wilcox. And I think that that's something that I, I, you know, I wonder in Wilcox's head if he's going to be like, well, no one's caring about me. So that's going to give me some extra motivation to, you know, to pitch even better in the minors. And I um, think it will. I, I think 100% I'm excited it about it. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him. I think he's going to be. What a loaded farm, by the way. Just, just, just throwing it out farm. there. And it's crazy. Yeah, it's, a, it's an insane farm system. But, I mean, it's, oh, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of fun. The minor leagues is going to be a lot of fun. The uh, race front office is just better. It's better. It's better. Yeah, yeah. We got, a, we got a lot of good things going on. But, uh, Aiden, thank you so much for coming on, talking to us about the minor leagues, talking to us about, you know, the excitement. I mean, there's excitement back in minor league baseball for the first time in so long. And it's and ridiculous. It, it is, and it's crazy how long it's been. And if any of you guys, I, I want to put out this disclaimer. If any of you guys are near a minor league ballpark, not just you two, but anyone listening to this podcast, go out and support. Tickets are going to be cheap like they always are. And it is one of the best experiences out there. Nothing beats a, just a July evening. You're sitting out in the stands. You know, there's maybe a thousand people there, if that even. You're eating your dipping Dots. And you're just watching people play for the love of the game. They've got cool jerseys. They've got fun promotions. But there's just something different about minor league baseball that you can't get anywhere else. I encourage you, if you've never been to a baseball game, start with a minor league game. Especially in this pandemic season. Start with a minor league game. Because not only can you take yourself to it, you won't get the same unruly drunk fans that you're going to get at major league stadiums. It's family friendly, and most importantly, it's fun because it's more of a relaxed atmosphere that you're not going to get anywhere else. Because minor league baseball, I know at least for me, gave me the love of the game that I have today, not just for major league baseball, but for minor league baseball. I was a fan of the Sarasota Reds. They used to have a team in Sarasota called the Sarasota Reds. I saw Joey Votto, Brett Phillips, Jay Bruce, Paul Yonish, uh, Homer Bailey, Johnny Cueto, all these guys come through that system. And it gave me a love for the game. And then when I was in Port Charlotte, I saw Brendan McKay, Wander Franco. Um, I saw Blake Snell pitch. I saw Kiermaier rehab, Longoria rehab, Brasso rehab. Uh, Eddie, I can keep going. I mean, it, it's neither here nor there how far I can keep going with that list. But it's just such a unique experience that you're not going to get anywhere else. But just go out and enjoy the sounds and the sights of the game. Because you also get so close to the action and nothing beats... The crack of a bat, especially when there's not a lot of people there that you could just enjoy the game. And it's one of the most purest baseball atmospheres out there. That is that very is, well said. That is, that is extremely well said. Well, Aiden, where can people find you on social media? Where can people find what y'all are doing over at In The Tank? Uh, so go ahead and drop me a follow at Aiden on air, A-I-D-E-N. Also, you can follow In The Tank at In The Tank TB. You can follow my co-host who couldn't be here with us tonight at Matt underscore Jermaine underscore. That's Matt with one T because he gets annoying annoyed when I don't say Matt with one T. Um, you can also find us on everywhere you get your uh, podcast. We haven't put one out recently just because I've been busy with finals week for college because I'm sure you two both know how much of a grind that is. But now with the minor league season, we'll have a whole lot more to talk about. Also, if you guys are into games or anything like that, you can follow me on Twitch. Uh, it's in the bio of my Twitter. But if you just want to do it here, 
Uh, it's twitch.tv slash raise rule 9107. Also follow our Twitch at uh, twitch.tv slash raise the roof TV. Um, more content will be coming out probably in the month of June. We're just uh, we're waiting some things out, trying to get some more stuff together before we put out some content there. So make sure you drop follows in both of those places. Uh, also follow, uh, subscribe to our YouTube, which I'm sure is all over the place and follow everyone involved because raise the roof is a movement that's just getting started. We just reached a thousand followers. And let me tell you, if you're not on board now, you might as well get on board. Well, said, well, said. well, Aiden, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time and for everyone listening, stay tuned on this newest episode of raise the roof. And we're back. To wrap things up on this 50th episode, this newest episode of Razor Roof. Again, 50 is such a crazy number. I just love saying it. Thanks so much to Aiden for coming on and talking to us about the minor league baseball season preview. I know a couple of games have happened so far. Things have been getting a little bit crazy. Wander Franco is going absolutely off. Vidal Bruhans hit some home runs. Shane Boz has looked good. Cole Wilcox has looked good. All of these guys have looked fantastic, and we can't wait to watch them this season. Again, make sure to follow Aiden on social media at Aiden on air. Make sure to follow his co-host Matt at in the tank um, on Twitter. It is M a T underscore Jermaine G E R M a I N underscore on Twitter. Make sure to follow in the tank in the tank TV on Twitter. They're doing some fantastic stuff. Things are going to pick up in a big way. Once the minor league season starts, hopefully more players, things like that. And we can't wait for it. As for this episode, as for this podcast, wherever you guys are listening to it, congratulations. You found us. I will give you 100 free hugs as a result, so congratulations for the free hugs. Uh, like I said, raise the roof for this podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the good stuff. Make sure to follow us on there. Make sure to share, subscribe to what we're doing, leave us a review, all that good stuff. Like I said, raise the roof. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, raise the roof TV, YouTube channel, raise the roof, website, raise the roof TV.com. If y'all have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that for this podcast, anything that we're doing here at Raise the Roof, our Gmail account is RaiseTheRoofTV at gmail.com. So make sure to email us there and we'll get back to y'all as soon as we can. So with that being said, from me and from everyone here at Raise the Roof, again, for our 50th episode, stay safe, stay healthy, please wear a mask and raise up. Ah!